0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We have a Monday rundown on a Monday here for you. Sean and I jumped right in, and you know what time of the year it is. It's March. We had to talk March Madness first. Following that, we talked PGA. We recapped the Valspar and talked about the up-and-coming Dell tournament, then talked a little bit of uh, Netflix and the Live tournament. Following that, we talked NFL news Then we did NBA, and then we capped it off with some MLB. Baseball season's right around the corner. So follow us on Twitter at Sports and enjoy the pod. We'll be talking to you soon.
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We are here for a Monday rundown, a loaded Monday rundown. We will start by recapping the round of 32. We've got NBA, we've got NFL, we've got baseball, but Tom, obviously we've got the PGA, but Tom, let's be honest here. I have to first ask you, with the news today, Hmm. the much-rumored news, are you doing this podcast clothed or not?
0: Everything's coming up me right now between Aaron Rodgers and, well, that excuse me, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. That little thing that the Jets still got to get done. And then <laughs> the St. John's red storm scooping up slick Rick Pitino, just having him just pop right over the white stone. Why don't you? And come to Queens. I love it. So excited. Just press couldn't be more giddy.
1: Tom- press conference tomorrow with the Garden um red tie 100 percent red tie (laughs) i hope this goes better than his last time being an employee of a team that called msg home but the college is where he belongs and man i know it's happened way later than it could have but he's back in the big east and seriously you've got to be just gushing i saw this news and i was i was thinking of you because i was like i know what it's like to have gotten a big-time coach that is just dialed into the talent. And we saw what Patino just did at Iona. He is going – I think it's going to be much sooner rather than later that some of these big-time New York players end up playing in Madison Square Garden.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, But what? he was an employee of MSG. Am I learning something right now? He was the
1: Knicks head coach for a minute.
0: Was he actually, or are you thinking about the Celtics? Uh, both. Rick Pitino was the Knicks head coach?
1: hmm
0: Really? Wow, I didn't even mm-hmm. know that.
1: Yeah, because Kyle Perry was the Nets head coach in New Jersey for a little bit.
0: I do remember that, because he, he claims, at least, that he wanted to take um, Kobe. Kobe Bryant. So did yep. I. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, but you're right. He was the next head coach from 87 to 89. Did not go well, I guess.
1: No, I think it was right before he went to Providence. Or, no, it was after Providence, before Kentucky.
0: Only head basketball, college basketball coach to ever win a title at two different schools. And yeah. I had, I had to double verify that because I thought Roy Williams won two titles, but he only won, he only won with UNC.
1: Yeah, I think he went to one with, with Kansas. Kansas. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but no. Just to get back to the point. Sorry, we went on a tangent there. I'm I'm giddy. I mean, this is this is it, truly for Saint John. So this is it. If they don't if they don't figure this out and he isn't the one to save them, then they're just gonna get demoted to the Mac. Honestly, bring up Iona and send them down.
1: <laughs> I agree I agree with you. I actually I, I felt that exact way when I got the news because it also coincides with Ed Cooley leaving Providence yeah. to go to Georgetown. So you have these two prominent, you know, I'm gonna call them big east blue bloods, because that's what they are, even though they've been way down. But I'm like, if these two guys can't save these programs, I think these programs are, you know, they're all but done.
0: Well, I think I think Georgetown having a couple national titles or at least one I know ewing one um not to mention the region that they're in they're like the premier team in DC they have a better chance at turning it around um and they've had more success of recent but both teams need to figure it out
1: not much man i mean they've won like two games in conference in the last 2 years oh yeah
0: i know i meant i meant more in the last like 20 years cuz st johns hasn't been relevant since i don't know uh I guess. The I think 90s. you're
1: looking at this with. I think you're looking at this with Saint John's colored glasses. I mean, maybe in like 2010, 2011, Georgetown was still good. I mean, but they really haven't had anybody since Otto Porter. That was a while, you
0: No, I know. Well, Mac McClug, obviously, he transferred out. Um, hey, he left. Yeah, both schools need to figure it out. I think Providence is a is a prominent, a pretty. I I would say a pretty solid program. I think they'll land on their feet as will do. I think Iona will land on their feet as well. Iona is always a springboard for these young up-and-coming head coaches, look out for Tobin.
1: Yeah, look out for Tobin. I mean, I'm sure Iona is going to make a call. I'm sure they wanted this decision to be made so that they could make a call. Uh And we saw um, Holloway leave uh, St. Peter's and go to Seton Hall, um, his alma mater. So I know uh, Tobin, that's not his alma mater. But um, at the end of the day, man, I I really believe that the Big East is going to start becoming like – back to where it used to be. And I know you have some new additions, but you have three teams in the Sweet 16. You know, UConn's back where they belong. I know you've got Creighton and Xavier and Butler and teams of that nature that are not traditional Biggie schools. But if you get Georgetown and specifically St. John's good again, I really do think that this conference is going to just be on a rocket ship because they, they have the rights with, you know, the Fox broadcasts. They've still got the Big East tournament at the Garden. You're going to have the coaches that everybody knows. You've got Hurley. You've got Patino. You've still got Cooley. You've got McDermott. You've got Sean Miller at Xavier. Like, it's going to go back to what it was in the good old days.
0: Shaka Smart as well. Yeah.
1: Shaka Shaka Smart. Yes.
0: I'm hoping that they're really bringing back UConn a few years ago was an amazing move for the Big East and for UConn. Let's, let's, they needed each other. Um, and I just think these two, obviously, Cooley was already in the Big East, but going to a bigger program than getting Patino, this conference is going to be the premier the premier college basketball conference again soon. I'm I'm thinking about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I'm happy for you. I really am because St. John's needs to be good, and they need to be relevant.
0: They I mean, yeah, the, the last the last five star recruit we got was Rashid Jordan. I mean, I know he's in jail for murder, but that's. That was the last five star recruit we got, and that was back in two thousand and ten. It's been twenty or excuse me, it's been thirteen years since we got a five star recruit.
1: Yeah, and you've recycled through coaches. I mean, you had Lavin, you you bring in Mullen at the same time that Georgetown brought in Ewing, two former, you know, icons of the programs. They were in over their head, they weren't recruiting, and then they weren't great coaches, and then obviously that hurt, and now you're at this point where you bring in Richardson who has you claim so well, like he's got no ties to the program. He's got no ties to the city. It's hard to, it's hard to do that. I mean, I was staring at it right in the face with UConn when Kevin Ollie left. I mean, it really was like, Holy shit. This was Calhoun's handpicked guy who won, who was an assistant under Calhoun for years, former player. And then we go to the American athletic conference and go into obscurity, lose all these games, I'm like shit, if we don't get this head coaching decision right, we're gonna be screwed. And you bring in Dan Hurley, who's obviously who is at URI, but he's a Jersey guy, he knows the Big East, and he's brought UConn back to the sweet sixteen. It's it it matters so much. And obviously Patino's on like that, but times a hundred.
0: Yeah, I mean and, and he's from New York, grew up in Long Island and he and he's already coached in the Big East, so He's ready. He's ready to bring a, uh, an almost blue blood team back to, back to you know heights. I'm excited.
1: Sports are coming up, Tom. Right now.
0: They really are. I mean, my picks are doing well. I, I fell to third place, but I, you know, I'm in the green money wise. The only thing I can't do is beat you in in picking golf guys.
1: <laughs> I know, which is really hysterically ironic. So um,
0: frustrating, but very. funny. All right.
1: We will be talking golf in a little bit, by the way. I did finish Episode 7 and 8. We will talk about that, so I cool did my homework. stuff. But let's start with the round of 32 recap. And we'll once again start up in the South region. Alabama, Tom, they had no problem with Maryland. They really just look like they're unbeatable right now.
0: Yeah, our boy Miller finally uh, decided to score a point, which was cool. And, yeah, this team is dominant. They're the best team in the country.
1: No question about it. Uh, they also have the best draw looking at the rest of the brackets. Um, mm-hmm. But where Cinderella keeps going, man, Princeton, and they beat up on Missouri, beat them by 15. This game was never close.
0: Yeah, all right. Shades of St. Peter's of last year, right?
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm just going
0: to keep pounding the table for this. I know Princeton doesn't really do it just because they're an Ivy League school, but there's going to be so many upsets. This transfer portal's changing everything.
1: Of course it is. I mean, they've got some players, too. Like, I know they they're, they don't have the athleticism of some of the I mean, that team. kid like, from France very, is nasty. Yeah, he really is. But they can shoot the lights out, and obviously yep. they're very fundamentally strong.
0: Yes, they are. San Diego State does the same thing they did to uh, Charleston's doppelganger, Furman. Better doppelganger, <laughs> Furman. And they just mucked up the game, and, and Furman barely got off the bus.
1: San Diego State is so fucking physical, man, and they're long too. It is hard to score against them.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and that's why everybody was like, "Oh, let's take Furman, let's take Furman." I said, No, nah, I'm staying away from this one. I can't put my finger on it, but I got a feeling San Diego State's gonna muck this up." And I'm glad I stayed away because it, they, I mean, they're like an old Knicks team. They can't call they can't call every foul on the same possession.
1: <laughs> yeah, the mid majors out of South Carolina are not faring well against San Diego State this
0: year. No. Can you name a firm an alumnus? I cannot. I can. Clint oh. Dempsey.
1: Nice. Were you huge, holding that one in your back pocket? Huge soccer
0: pull. I don't know why I know that. I really don't. I don't know
1: why you know that either. I mean, we could have been doing a podcast for the next ten hours. I would have never known. Even if you said soccer, I don't. I'm not getting Clint Dempsey. Lastly, Creighton holding it down for the Big East. One of its three representatives heading to Sweet 16. They beat Baylor 85-76. And again, man, Baylor when they're not making shots, they're they're just bad. They play a really ugly basketball game.
0: Yeah, um, bet on this one and hit, um, but did not have. I had Baylor advancing. Um, I, I just – Creighton stands out more than any team in the country to me. They deserve to be higher than a six seed. They are better than a six seed. Their point guard is excellent.
1: He is. I mean, what do you uh, – he would go for 32 yesterday, 36? Yeah, something
0: Nemhar like. or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, Nem-har. he's just so good – He's just such a classic point guard. When you're watching these games and you have money invested in a certain team, it just is such a comforting feeling to know when a rebound gets pulled down in a huge possession and they get the ball. It's like get the ball to him, and I know the right play is going to be made.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, it kind of takes you right over to that Kansas State team with Noel. I mean, Mm -hmm. they beat Kentucky 75-69 moving into the East region. And I felt that same way. I thought, you know, Oscar Sheebway, as we talked about Saturday, was going to assert himself. I think he had 16 rebounds in this game. He had 25 in their first game against Providence. But, I mean, Noel just, he was shooting the lights out and he's just an unbelievable playmaker. Kentucky had no answer for him.
0: Yeah, and that Kansas State team's very explosive.
1: I mean, Kanti Johnson didn't do anything, and then late hits that crazy step-back three to ice it.
0: Yeah, which takes some balls to be, like, ice cold.
1: It really does, but I think he knows. He's like, I'm one of the best players in the country. I was certainly one of the best players in the Big 12, and I'm having an off night. It's about time I do something.
0: Yeah, figure it out. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, Tennessee beats Duke. Uh, this one, I feel like we were both on Duke. Oh, yeah. And this one, you know, you're going to blame me for my Charleston pick. You were telling me, you know, you thought, you know, Duke was on this one, Tennessee's a fraud team, and then look what happens. I'm blaming you.
1: (laughs) I'll take that much easier than you took my comments (laughs) towards you. But, um, listen, I I texted my dad. I said, well, Duke got the great Tennessee game. When Tennessee plays like this, you know why they were as highly touted as they were all year. I mean, they only won their first game by three. So it certainly wasn't like they played this brand of basketball heading into this game. And I thought Duke was just playing at a much better clip, which they were. But when Tennessee plays this style of game and they shot the way that they shot the ball, which obviously, as we know, they're capable of a lot of rock fights, And they were fucking filthy. That game was physical as hell down low in the paint.
0: Yeah, and I just don't think those Duke freshmen were ready for it.
1: No, I mean, Filipowski got that cut under his eye like first couple minutes of the game and... Tennessee's just so long and physical athletically and defensively. They can just put the clamps down. And Roach was in foul trouble the whole game.
0: Yep. No, it was, it was a nightmare game for Duke.
1: No doubt about it. Um, Izzo in March, I guess we'll just keep that cliche going. They knock off Marquette 69-60.
0: This game just pissed me off. It really did. Marquette wins this game 9 out of 10 times. They just, were bad in this game. They were fucking terrible, and Shaka was just standing there. It was killing me.
1: Kolick was non existent in this game.
0: I know. It I this is this is probably one of the biggest games that I wish I could have back. This in the Charleston game, because I think both teams could have won this game nine out of ten times.
1: Michigan State is that classic team where I don't care if they're a two seed and I don't care if they're a seven or nine. I'm like if I pick them, I don't feel great about it because I think they can have a letdown. But every time I don't pick them, I didn't pick them to win one game, and now they're in the Sweet 16, and I just feel like the biggest idiot in the world.
0: I know, I know. We're going to have to write like a little rules book again about March, and it's just don't, don't even bother picking Michigan State games. Just leave it off no. your bracket. Leave it blank and try and submit it.
1: <laughs> it's just Oh man, it's just such a shit show And then finally in the East Region The Florida Atlantic Owls Defeat the Cinderella Fairleigh Dickinson 78-70 We talked about it right before We got on the pod, man Fairleigh Dickinson just didn't have the size at the end
0: They didn't have the size And then Florida Atlantic Um, they're, What's what's the guy's name The best player on that team Is it Point- Davis? Um, Could be wrong I'm trying to look at their roster now I mean regardless in the last five minutes He just completely took the game over
1: Yeah absolutely And you know what too is The thing about Fairway Dickinson That they have to play a perfect game And they had that one sequence Where near the baseline Where the, the pass wasn't executed And it went out of bounds It was a turnover I think they were up two at that time Or down two at the time And that immediately swung the game I think that came with like 245 left
0: yeah, and um, they just they didn't have the firepower. Uh, the guy number four that came out hot, pulling up from the logo, hitting him, uh, he started feeling himself a little too much, dribbling into double teams, getting easy turnovers, and it was kind of a wrap after that. I mean, it was number two versus, versus the entire team, and the guy's 5'10", explosive out of his mind, but at some point that's going to come to an end.
1: They hung with Florida Atlantic, though. And I know people who don't really know, like, Florida Atlantic, aren't they an underdog, too, and a Cinderella team? They were in the top 25, like, all year.
0: Yeah, very athletic. Just a, a higher class of college basketball than Fairleigh Dickinson. It's it's safe to say Fairleigh Dickinson, on paper, was by far the worst team in this tournament. On Absolutely. paper, obviously.
1: Yeah, and turns out they were better than Purdue. I suck at <sighs> Big Ten. All right, uh, moving on into the Midwest. Houston survives Auburn, eighty-one sixty-four. Tom, they didn't play well in this game for a while, but you could see when they need to turn it on, they can do it instantly.
0: Yeah, and Sasser looked better, right?
1: Yeah, he did. Um, he certainly did. Their defense was giving fits a little bit, though. I thought I thought Auburn for the most part was was doing what they wanted, but then. I forget what the exact run was, but Houston went on something like a 13 to 2 run and that that just put it on ice.
0: Yep. No, no doubt about it. And they they had they're capable of that and that's why we got them going to the final four. I feel much better about that pick. Texas beats Penn State and this is what happens when Penn State goes ice cold from the floor.
1: Absolutely. They can't hang and Texas again is one of these teams you know, you look up in an eye blink and it's a 10-0 run, a 12-2 run. It's, it happens over the course of like a minute and 10 seconds.
0: Yep. Uh, Xavier holds off Pitt, takes takes a leader um, late towards the end there. This game was a lot closer than the final score reflects, but they were able to hold him off. Xavier had their scare. I think they're going to be able to settle in from here on out.
1: Kunkel went off in this game. Mm-hmm. I think you get like five consecutive threes at one point.
0: Yeah, no, it was – I mean, your handled business. They're moving on. Um, I love Miller, love cheaters. Um, moving on <laughs> moving on to the next one, Miami beats Indiana 85-69. to I took this one live. I was like, Indiana's going to come back. Nobody can stop that number one, but it didn't matter. Miami was more athletic, and they had way more big men, and if Indiana didn't shoot like 75% from the field, this game was over. Miami was just grabbing offensive rebounds like there was no tomorrow.
1: You know, I'm a big Mike Woodson fan, obviously, back uh, in college at his alma mater with Indiana, and they're a good team. But the body language— Yeah, thank you. Like, the body language to me was atrocious last night, and I'm not one of these fans that looks at body language. But when you see certain teams, it's like Jackson Davis didn't break a sweat, and I don't think part of it was just because it's so easy for him. He got his— but it was like when he had a bad turnover, he just kind of loafed down the floor like they couldn't get a stop on defense. They were being out rebounded and outclassed in terms of intensity the entire game. Good for Miami.
0: Yeah, good for them. They they came out. They smacked Indiana in the mouth. And that soft ass team didn't know what the hell to do with it.
1: Tom, there's one Big Ten team left. I mean, do I have to continue to just say this every time so that everybody in the Midwest hates us? Hates
0: me, <laughs> and of course the only big team, t- Big Ten team left is the one that we both saw, thought sucked.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which we don't know, but hey, if it's anybody, I'm glad it's Izzo. Um yeah. I can I can take the L on that one. But seriously, I mean, every year I have to hear about the fucking Big Ten in both sports. It's I just know. A
0: joke. It's it's such an overhyped conference. It really is.
1: Every year. Every fucking year it is, and they're going to always get nine or ten teams in because everybody loses their mind. Oh, well, you can't leave Michigan State out. You can't leave Michigan out. You can't leave Purdue. Purdue should be banned from being an, a, a one seed simply due to the fact that, like, I mean, last year they got picked off by um, by St. Peter's in the second round.
0: Well, with right? that logic, we got to get rid of Virginia, too, right?
1: Oh, <laughs> sign me the fuck up for that they're the biggest (laughs) frauds out of anybody Purdue. Um,
0: i mean purdue this is like three or four years in a row both teams should not be allowed to be above a five seed i honestly you know what i'm trying to think what's the what's the what's the highest basically home team is it eight seed yeah because then it flips to nine right so they should not Mm -hmm. be allowed to be above a nine seed for at least five (laughs) years till they prove it
1: Everybody tweet at us to sign this petition. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, man. It's just they're the biggest frauds because they play their style of game, and it works in conference play enough, but it's just over and over again. I'm reminded that, like, these teams are just not that great when they play other styles of basketball. If you can speed them up, they, they're completely lost.
0: Yeah, I know, and it just takes one coach to just be like, oh, if we just fucking put the foot on the gas pedal, this team's going to choke. No, easy money, and then it's first or second round out every time.
1: Absolutely. And I like Woodson. I like that he's back in the Indiana, but I, I just hated their body language all game. Miami just wanted it more, as shitty as that sounds. Uh, moving on to the West, we have Arkansas knocking off Wills Jayhawks, 72-71 in a classic game. I got to ask you, have you have you heard from him? Did you check in? What's his status?
0: No, I kind of I like to – when I was younger, because Will talked a lot of shit, I would always you know give him a call and he wouldn't pick up after after he always likes to call people and talk shit, but he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> He's really grown as a fan, and I'm just going to let sleeping dogs lie. you know He wasn't That's braggadocious fine. when his team won or talking shit when my team lost in the last couple of years, so I'm going to let him sleep this one off.
1: I like that. Yeah, I didn't even think to text them. I, you know what? It was a tough loss. I thought they had that game, but Bill Self wasn't even coaching. It's just Arkansas went on a run. Yep, I thought they had it too. Um, UCLA they they beat off or uh, they beat Northwestern sixty eight sixty three. I honestly thought Northwestern acquitted themselves really really well. Like I thought for the most part they, you know, they play such a good defensive style of basketball. UCLA was frustrated a little bit, but at the end of the day, they just UCLA was going to make more plays than them, right?
0: Yep, better team won. Same as this next game, UConn beat St. Mary's. I took UConn on a nice alternate spread. I had confidence in them as long as the shots were falling, and they were. And your big man in the middle had himself a day.
1: So no-go in the first two games of this tournament has gone absolute apeshit.
0: Um, this is why she, that this is why like they, I don't want to call them a sleeper because they are a four seed, but they have a real chance to win the tournament.
1: You know the things that I really liked out of these two games were, it took them a little bit of time, but they they realized that they were the better, more physical, and just overall talented team than their opponent. Now listen, St. Mary's losing Duke that early in the game with that back injury sucked because he's a forty percent three point shooter. And they're not a deep team anyway, especially when you see UConn. It's like their entire second unit could start on almost any other team. But it was a replay of the first game. They're they're down two at the half. Actually, they had a two-point lead at the half this time because of that Newton three. But Hawkins, zero points again in the first half. And it went 21 minutes of game time until he scored. But then he rattled off four consecutive threes, and much like Texas. I was
0: going to say, he's a second-half player, baby.
1: Yeah, he is. I mean, they're gonna need more from him in the first as they start playing better teams, particularly Arkansas this week. But I mean, man, I'm telling you, like they go on these runs where like it's just in an eye blink, it's it's a fourteen to two run and Sunogo just couldn't be stopped. Hawkins was hitting the threes. You got D, uh, you got Aline and Calcaterra and Caravan hitting threes. When they play that way, I agree with you. There really are not many other teams that you look at and say, Yeah, Yukon's you know, the UConn's the inferior team.
0: Yeah, I mean, UConn is just all about their shooting. If they can keep hitting shots, they're, they'll beat every team in front of them.
1: I did like that they were at the foul line a lot in the second half yesterday. They were at the foul line. They were, they were at the bonus with like nine and a half minutes left in the game, which is where they need to be.
0: Yep, that's the sweet spot.
1: Back to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2014. It feels good.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you're giddy as one of your, what is this ranked, what you root for this team, is this number two? No, it's number three, right? Behind three, yep. Behind yep. Yankees Giants. and Giants. Then, yep. then UConn, then the Nets. Yeah. Then that's it.
1: <laughs> and then a far distant fifth is Alabama. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, yes, and then Gonzaga, they beat TCU. I mean, I'm not a betting man. TCU with a beautiful
0: backdoor cover.
1: You want to take this one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the pull-up from a million feet to to TCU plus four. Got that nice, one of the greatest backdoor covers I've seen in a long time. I stayed away from this game because I looked at the time. I had to be at work early today, and I was just like, I'm not betting on this game because then I'm going to have to stay up. Um, I, I thought Gonzaga was going to blow him out. They made it close. Uh, Gonzaga comes away with it. All timer. If you had Gonzaga minus four, though, and, an, <laughs> and and another all timer on the other side of the coin. If you had TCU plus four.
1: Yeah, I think there was like zero point seven seconds, and Gonzaga just played, just d- didn't play any defense. They roll, TCU rolled it up the floor and shot a half court three.
0: Yeah, you love to see that. Um, how you feeling about March? This is one of the more f- I, I, don't, I don't know if we say this every year. I was talking to my former other co-host, Ginger friend Ryan. I want to have on the pod soon when we do our goals pod. Um, and he was saying, well, I, think, I think this is the best March ever. But then he looked at me and he was like, we also probably say that every year.
1: We say that often because uh, you always get a story, right? Like last year, St. Peter's finds their way into the Sweet 16. This year we I think got even
0: Princeton. Two-
1: yeah. I mean, I think even two years ago, it was that weird COVID year where nobody was in the stands, but we had a pretty, we had a couple of pretty crazy moments in that. Um, from the storylines alone, I think, you know, because we're much more Northeast central, that Fairway Dickinson and, uh, and Princeton run feels a little bit more cool to us. I don't know if people should even down here in Texas care, other than the fact that the Longhorns are still in.
0: Yeah. I don't know. You, no matter where they're from, I think I think the uh, the Cinderella story always grabs people's attention. You remember George Mason back in the day and VCU. No, don't bring that up. And I you hate could, that every year. I know, I know, but it was it was a big deal back then. It was um, a huge deal. You know, no matter no matter where you are in the country, you're going to pay attention when a 15 seeds going to the Sweet 16.
1: No doubt about it. What do you think? Do you think that this is one of the best years that you can remember of recent history?
0: Parity-wise, yeah. I mean, I'm loving this. I'm so excited for March for the next couple of years till so they start to even out this transfer portal thing. I think there's going to be so many upsets. It's crazy.
1: See, I think that the parity in college basketball now is super super good because team, players can transfer multiple times for opportunities. You know, coaches are in and out of schools, you know, moving, transferring themselves to better programs to establish the kind of team that they want. Um, I, I think just ultimately there's so much talent across college basketball. It's not like it's just in the Big East or just in the ACC or just in the Pac-12 or Big 12. It's spread out pretty evenly. I know we just shat on the Big Ten, but like there are some damn good players in that conference.
0: Yeah, no. Uh... I mean, you can name any team in Division One, and and I could be convinced at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, even look at a team like Fort Atlantic. Like, they're they have some legit dudes on that team.
0: Yep. No, for sure. And my Johnnies are coming back, baby. Six years for Slick Rick Patino. Six years. He's gonna have this thing turned around in two.
1: I think I would predict right now that you'll you'll be annoying next year. Like you'll be good and annoying as you bring some of, as he brings some of his guys in, mm-hmm. and in
0: twenty 2020,
1: twenty 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 four twenty twenty five that season, I think they're going to be a legitimate they're going to be a legitimate problem. It's not going to take him long at all.
0: No, and especially in today's to say,
1: college basketball, it's just too easy.
0: And I have to say, you you got to agree with me here that I I feel like I have been pounding the table longer than any other human being on the planet for this Slick Rick thing. I mean, it's been years that I've been begging for this.
1: I think you were begging for this before he even took the Iona job.
0: I, dude, I was. I mean, I feel like we were back in our garage days and I was talking about this because <laughs> I remember when I was going there reading articles about how when, before we got Lavin, we could have had Rick Patino when he was picking Louisville, but Louisville told him that he could have a private jet and St. John's wouldn't do it, and I wanted to throw up.
1: Yeah, no. You, listen, I mean, you you know the deal. You know what kind of coach needs to be at St. John's. It is a specific kind of coach. It is a coach with pedigree. It is a coach with New York ties. It is a coach that. Yeah, there is a little bit of chicanery with him, as there has. Oh, been I love it. Stock, this is you love this cheaters, is the epitome. What better? Yeah, what better case than to have you, the ultimate cheater or one of them at your school? It's great.
0: Oh, this is you know this is the epitome of my kind of
1: guy. Oh, I mean, dude, he absolutely. I mean, he, you look at him for five seconds, you're like, that guy belongs at St. John's. He belongs at, he belongs coaching at the Big East in the garden for the Red Star. I I
0: can't wait for the press conference to hear what he has to say. What the the bullshit that he is going to spew is just going to make me giddy.
1: And I don't even care. And nobody else should either. Like, St. John's did nothing wrong to fall out of everything you know like they're a private school they're a catholic school like some of those other teams that continue to stay really good like they're they're probably institutions they're they're not like a saint john's that's a tough that's a tough sell to some modern day recruits and rick patino that is a legend he, he meets with a player i i find it very hard to believe that if he doesn't want that player that player ain't coming
0: to all the future recruits as a former person that went to St. John's don't worry about the Catholic school thing trust me you'll have a good time <laughs> trust me
1: you'll have a good time alright uh, moving on Tom I gotta say in our brackets right now I think I have the lead over you in terms of potential points we can get right yes, you I have, do. I, t- I told I you that before my five four teams. you have two
0: you are in 15th place with a Thirty-seven points, and you have a possible hundred and forty-five remaining. I am in third place. Um, where are we here? I'm in. I'm tied for third place, forty-two points with a possible hundred thirty-eight remaining. Uh, the guy in first place is. It's just a matter of time before he falls off because he has Arizona winning the national championship. Oh, that. So yeah. you know, mathematics are going to eliminate him there. But everybody else, it's pretty neck and neck. Um, you know, Mike Phillips, I believe this is his team, ha- is in fifth place, and he still has a possible 157 points. Jeez. Holy shit. Yeah, good Fish for him. Man. Um, I don't know if that's him. I don't know if he did multiple. I hate the multiple bracket guy. I
1: hate that too. Do one. Do one, even if it is his pool. Only
0: yeah, one. Will Smith did it too. I, 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 don't, I hate to call Will people Smith. out. I really don't hate to call people out, but that's just stupid.
1: Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, how much? Did Will just decide that he was going to spend a hundred bucks? He probably did.
0: He probably did. I mean, I don't know. Michaela, seventeenth place, possible eighty points remaining. Uh, tough scene for her. Mm. I'm gonna say she's not. It, yeah, she's she's got the least amount of possible points remaining. She had Duke winning, so. Not good for her, um, but I don't even have to ask her. I'm just going to go ahead and report that she does not care.
1: <laughs> Notice how I didn't even ask.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's more concerned right now, I believe, about um, me picking a place where we're going to get our second set of engagement photos done and uh, getting a florist for our wedding. But, you know, I don't know. I, I think that $20, $20 towards it could have helped the florist out, or if she won, maybe a little more <laughs> effort next year. No, I'm just just Josh, Yeah,
1: I hope she <laughs> listens to this. Um, oh, I'm in trouble. No, you are. Uh, but it won't be the first time, and it certainly won't be the last. Um, all right, let's move on to the PGA. Fortunately, it was not a elevated event weekend, Tom. But Taylor Moore did win the Valspar Championship, shooting minus 10. What did you take from this tournament?
0: Um, I just kind of came in and out, entered, and then left the chat a bunch of times, if you will. Um, Spieth looked good. Tommy looked good. Uh, JT finishing the top ten. Not much to say say here. Congratulations to Taylor Moore.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I really. I think I maybe watched a total of ten holes throughout the weekend with all the other games. I mean, Saturday and Sunday, like you had those standalone games, right? Like you had the one o'clock or the noon game, then you had the three o'clock game. Uh, so you can kind of jump in with the golf, but after that, it was really not a high-pressure high, high pressured situation for me to go to.
0: No, it was college basketball all, all weekend long. Um, yeah, so I guess since we didn't really uh, watch too much of this tournament and it was uh, not an elevated tournament, we can move on to the Dell. But up first, I will recap our picks from last week, and then we can go ahead and make our picks for this week. You had Justin Rose as your designated winner. And in your foursome, he finished 36. Joel Damon, 61st. JT, 10th. And Keegan Bradley missed the cut, so 76th. I had Ludwig, 61st. Keegan, I just mentioned, missed the cut at 76. Harry Higgs, I'll never be picking him again, 76. <laughs> and then Jordan Spieth in third. Uh, the math on that, you had an average finish of 47.75. I had an average finish of 54. You beat me. That gives you another point. That's two to one. Sean is winning for our season picks as we started. Uh, you can hear me turning the paper over here, getting ready to write. Um, Sean, you won again. So go ahead and give us your picks for the Dell this week. Uh, this is a match play event, so something to think about. Um, uh, let's see how you do.
1: All right. Yeah. Um so I am looking at Rory. Okay. John Rom. Okay. Cam Young. You fuck. Again with this, I I really am trying to look off the beaten path and think of guys. Oh, yeah.
0: Let me look off the beaten path and pick number two and number three in the World Golf Rankings.
1: Well, come on. Not with Rory (laughs) and Ron. Those are obvious. I don't need your smart-ass comments (laughs) with those. And then Billy Horschel.
0: Oh, Billy Ho. I love that. I like Billy Horschel. All right. Who's your designated winner? Cam Young. Cam Young. Okay. All right, for me, I have Will Zalatoris, Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, Xander Shoffley, and my winner is Will Zalatoris. Nice. Yes, sir. So I don't know. know Spieth
1: really is playing some great golf right now. I feel like it's a matter of time until he cracks through. I know this might be the
0: tournament too. This is. You know what? This is right around where he. Before it starts. I think he won this last year. He might have. I've, I'm going to pick him to repeat. I'm picking Spieth. All right. I'm switching it. I don't do it Spieth is my – I'm going to cross out my underline here on Willie Z. Spieth is my designated winner. I just changed it up. You have Cameron Young. Um, Spieth
1: so, went to UT, right? Yes, he did. So this is right in his old backyard.
0: Wow. Oh, it's in the same town. I mean, speaking yeah. of which, somebody I know lives there.
1: Yeah, I know. I, Are you going? I do. I'm not planning on it.
0: Is this is the buzz down there that this is coming down? Is there like people talking about it? People going to go? You heard anything?
1: I haven't heard anything, but I I'm sure it's going to be a big deal.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I it think is.
1: This is one of the. I think this is like the last year, one of the last years. It's like Dell sponsoring it or something. Really? I think so. Yeah, well, I, I think hope they I heard keep that
0: it somewhere. down
1: there. Yeah, I mean, I the golf course. I did look it up after one of our most recent pods, and it really does look beautiful. I know they showed it a little bit in full swing during the speed episode, but
0: yeah, I would love to play there i I think you can can you play a TPC if you just pay a billion dollars to play it? I'm not sure
1: <laughs> uh, you're asking the wrong guy.
0: I do know one of my cousins is a member in the TPC network, so he could get us a tea time there. Oh shit, I don't know if either of us belong on that course.
1: Well, you know I don't so <laughs> although it I did shoot an I you. shot
0: an eighty one on Saturday, not a big deal good man. Yeah, but it was a fucking joke course. But nonetheless, got to get the ball in the Take hole. Take
1: the victory, yeah. All
0: right, moving on to the next. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about full swing first. So you watch episodes seven and eight, which I believe were the Sahith and Mito Pereira episode yep. seven, and then Rory episode eight to cap it off.
1: Yes, so I really liked Zayth. I thought his whole upbringing, that whole story, was great. I love Pereira and that whole Chilean group there. Um, I I didn't know too bad they're all gone. What's that?
0: So too bad they're all gone.
1: They're all gone. Um, But shit, man, I thought it was really captivating stuff. I think just showing how hard it is to be a rookie on the tour, how each of them got their tour cards, and then just. You know, you saw Sahith at, at uh waste management had the lead, wasn't able to capitalize. Pereira at the um, at the players, like it's it's an absolute grind. You just see like the absolute anguish it puts on these dudes, and their and they're significant others and full families too. I mean, the investment yeah. is just nuts.
0: Oh, Sahith Sahith's dad and uh, Tony Fino's dad were like the biggest hits of the series for me. Mm-hmm. Um. The one complaint I do have about, well, I have a few complaints, but one of the complaints I have is that they're talking about Sahith as if he's, um, I don't know, like Tony Fino when he first came out, like where nobody knew who he was, worked his way up through Q school. Like Brooks, same thing. Brooks played in uh, the, you know, the world, um, the uh, European tour and whatnot to come up. And, and like essentially saying he came out of nowhere and that Mito Pereira was the one touted. That's kind of how they made it sound. And it's like it's really the opposite. Fucking Sahith was like a top 10 amateur in the world coming out of coming out of Pepperdine. Like he was an incredible golfer and everyone expected him to be good. I don't know where that's they kind of just manufactured and made up that storyline.
1: You would yeah, you would know that better than me. I mean I had I don't know his whole story, so I'm kinda going off of what this series is showing. That's
0: what's annoying um, to me, because yeah. you're loud because you're sitting there thinking, Oh, that's great, this guy came out of nowhere. It's like, no, this kid's been a prodigy since They didn't
1: even mention Pepperdine.
0: Yeah, it's it was very odd. Um the other gripe I have with the series is just that they they bounce around a lot.
1: They do. Like, they do.
0: One second, you know, we're, we're seven, eight episodes in here, and now we're going all the way back to the players, which is the second.
1: Yeah, they show J- JT, and I'm like, we just had this whole. Yeah,
0: I wish there was a little episode. more of a chronological order because if you're trying to explain golf, uh, like I, you guys really did a good job breaking down what the cut is. We all know what the cut is now because they, <laughs> they beat that into the ground. But, I mean, if if you're just a random person watching this, you're you're thinking like, wow, they they go back to the PGA a lot. Like how many times do they play that tournament?
1: Yeah, I mean Tulsa, man, talk about talk about Southern Hills getting a lot of play. Jesus oh man,
0: Christ. what were they paying? Shit. <laughs> oh
1: they had to they had to have been very happy with how much footage yeah. they were getting. Oh, it was um, unbelievable. And it culminated with the Rory episode, and I love how they ended with Rory. Uh, I love his story. Uh, I obviously knew he was a prodigy because he's been—I mean, he was touted as the next Tiger when he first came on, which is when everybody was saying mm-hmm. that. Which, but dude, he is just the coolest. So well spoken. Yes, and the you've got to love this too for when you were really getting into the tour. Like I'm sure, just the the respect he has for the history of the game is really awesome, isn't it?
0: It is, especially because you see a lot of euros going over to live, and Rory's obviously the best one there. And he's like, "Hell no, I'm not going anywhere." Him and Rom, um, yeah. The only thing, the only other gripe I had was that they're making they make the tour championship sound like it's a major. It's like, oh man, since I was a little boy, I wanted to win the tour. Like, aside from the money, these guys could fucking care less about. It's just another tournament to these guys.
1: I wish they spent more time. At St. Andrews, than they did at the at the. I know, uh, but Kansas. they
0: just they they clearly could not get Cam Smith. No, you know
1: no, I, was, I don't know. There were snippets of him, and that was kind of it.
0: Yeah, but it was nothing. It's not like they got him for a sit down. They got that little clip of the press conference where he said that some you know he was like, "I just won the U.S. Open. My team makes those decisions for me," which is absurd. Your team makes suggestions, you sign off on the decisions, but yeah, they right. didn't they didn't get Cam at all.
1: No, I, and I think was it the US or was it the was it the Open? Where it's everyone it was, where she was like, I just won the open championship in your first question. No, yeah, he year. won
0: the open this year. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So, Matt Fitzpatrick
0: question. won the won the US Open.
1: Right. But I in either event I thought it was a really good series. Um glad you I'm I'm glad that I watched it and particularly it coincided really well with how much coverage we're doing with the PGA now. So I feel like I know these guys a lot better. And, you know, you always want to have more people to root for and and to kind of pull for on Sundays as it gets tight.
0: For sure. I'm proud of you for getting it done. Now we're going to start reporting on F1, so we're going to have to watch all four seasons of Drive to Survive.
1: I hope you find another co-host for that. uh, Oh, it's right. It's right.
0: I mean, not that I would watch it, but it's right in your – I mean, they have a race in Austin.
1: Yeah, I know. The Circuit of America is huge every October.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, you've massive. got everything going on down there. You can't I told go...
1: you, man. It's great here. There <sighs> is so much shit here.
0: Yeah, well, let me get, just got a second promotion at work. Let me get like five more, get my feet set, and then I'll demand that I get New York pay down in Texas, and I'll move down there. But i got to have leverage to do that, and Michaela's got to finish school.
1: You got a couple things to figure out first, but you're always welcome. Um, Thank you. Before we move on uh, to obviously, we just have to mention live, but I did want to get your thoughts on the ball distance restrictions. That was a big point of emphasis last week. Um, with you know how it's, I think it's only majors, right? Is they want to restrict? They want to have golf balls that are not going to carry as far. And it's going to be more of an even playing field. Can you just explain that a little bit more and give your thoughts?
0: Well, yeah, they're just trying to ro- roll the balls back a little bit. I don't know. Is this for sure? I didn't. I saw the report, but I don't know if this is just a I suggestion think it's
1: happening. or a no, chat. I think
0: it's happening. Um, I mean, for me, it's like I ball club. I, I I don't know. I mean, I saw Billy Horschel talking about it, where he's just talking about the forgiveness of the clubs, and you know, you're not you're not being um. It's not you're not being penalized as much for not hitting the ball in the middle of the club face and you're not being rewarded as much for hitting the ball in the middle of the club face. I guess you gotta roll something back and even the playing field with the distance. I mean, I I don't really know how <laughs> I don't really know how the science of this is gonna work, but wouldn't it make sense that the person with the higher swing speed even if the ball's rolled back is going to hit the ball further than the person with less swing speed? Like is Rory is still going to hit the rolled back ball further than uh Joel Damon? So you know, it's, it's just really going to it's not going to even anything, you know what I mean?
1: Sure. And that's where I wanted to get your thoughts on it cuz obviously You know i was thinking about this in depth as like oh is this really going to make a big difference i obviously i don't know the whole deal of like really hitting a golf ball with the impact but my first thought was thinking you know they tried to do this with baseball two years ago after the 2019 season when everybody was hitting home runs like it was nothing and they had you know the lesser ball and i'm like well yeah that might impact the guys that hit 22 last year, then they might hit 18, but that's not going to impact Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton. No, you can't stop them from creating the exit below. No, it's just going to
0: go. It's just going to go 410 instead of 450.
1: Right. So I guess for me, controversy that I heard. Yeah, just real fast. Tom is like, do you think that it's boring watching? the more guys that can hit the absolute shit out of the ball and drive at 320, 330, do you think that that eventually gets boring and, and as, the, as the diehard fan that you are, you don't love it as much because it's become commonplace? No,
0: I, I mean, I think however however your game is designed is however your game is designed, and that's the thing about golf. There's certain courses that with wider fairways and shorter rough that favor the long hitter, and then there's certain courses that favor the more accurate hitter. And that's what makes Rory so great is that he's long and accurate. Uh, For me, it's just, I mean, it's not like somebody's taking it super low at the majors because the thing that combats the distance is the fact that it's so tough, the position of the holes, the rough, all that stuff is so difficult that it does, sometimes distance doesn't matter. You have to hit it in the middle of the fairway in order to hit an iron and be able to spin it back towards the hole or a wedge and spin it back towards the hole as opposed to the rough where it's coming out with a lot less spin and you're not able to hold the green. So my thing for combating distance is not changing technology. We don't want to go backwards here. I think there's a limit that we should get to. Like we're not saying that the MLB should play with fucking metal bats, but, exactly. but there's, you know, at some point, yeah. Do I think that there is a limit that you should get to? Yeah, but that's why you can't have a shaft at, above a certain length or certain things like that. There's that's what those restrictions are in place for. If you want to cut down on low scoring, which I don't even think is what they're trying to cut down on, they're just trying to minimize no. the distance, which is stupid. It has it doesn't even really correlate. Uh, to scoring in a lot of these tournaments that, that are elevated tournaments, just fucking don't mow the rough as high, shrink the size of the fairways, and make it really tough to attack the pins out of the rough. It's not that hard.
1: No, it's not. And I was interested in it from the standpoint of, you know, because I heard Horschel on the NLU pod do the, you know, kind of talk about it. And, you know, I heard there was kind of that stupid analogy every time we hear about, like, oh, well, are you going to make the the rim higher to 11 feet because too many people can dunk now or, you know, shit like that. And it's just like, I don't care as the casual thing. If somebody who can drive the shit out of the ball can drive the shit out of the ball, let them fucking do it, even if everybody starts to do it. It doesn't really matter to me. I kind of want to see – I will never lose the level of just pure, uh, you know, just unbelievably impressed – with what these guys do. It's like, I'm never going to lose interest or I'm never going to stop marveling at Aaron judge hitting a home run when I'm like, yeah, most people can't do this.
0: Tiger woods. Wasn't, the, isn't the greatest golfer of all time, one of the greatest athletes of all time, because he hit the ball a mile. Yeah, he hit the ball yeah. a mile, but he hit the ball wherever he wanted it to, draw, fade, down the middle, whatever you want, and then his iron game was better than anybody else, ball striking-wise. His wedge game was better than anybody else, and his putting was better than anybody else. That's why Tiger Woods is who he is. If if you take away everything else, then Tiger Woods is John Daly.
1: <laughs> well, and you also, I mean, we, we talked about it like three years ago when Bryson was talking about, you know, making making uh what was it augusta a par three or something no it was
0: it wasn't he said that augusta is like a par. it's a par 72 i believe i don't want to be yeah i don't want to upset any of the purists here i don't know the exact par, but i think he said it should be a par 68 for him and then he went out and missed the cut so how did that work out for him
1: yeah now he's shooting a plus nine at live tours
0: yeah and to be honest the only the only time I can really remember that the bomb and gouge really worked was two instances. In the Ryder Cup, the USA team bomb and gouged the shit out of Europe, which is an advantage that we have, which is why when the U.S. captain tells the team to spread out – tells the guys to spread out the fairway and mow the rough lower – that's their advantage there. They're not going to do that in Europe. And then the only other time was wing foot with Bryson because he just bomb and gouged the shit out of that course. But still, he still had to make the fucking putts and still mm-hmm. had to chip the ball. So, I mean, it just kills me. We're, what are we doing here? Just make the courses fucking harder in other ways. Length isn't everything.
1: Nice. Um, in this really instance, think, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I truly believe that you know, you don't want to put a cap on what certain players are able to do. Like you said, at the end of the day, there's so much more to winning a golf tournament than just driving the ball. Chicks like dig crazy. the long ball. We've we've seen this over and over again. Chicks dig the long ball. 62 home runs this year by Judge. Let Rory hit the ball 340. I don't give a shit. I just want to see. It would be much better than say, oh, wow, I guess everybody is restricted on what they can hit now. Like, no. I think that's dumb. I really think it's dumb, and it's overthinking. We just gave the PGA Tour a lot of credit last week. Um, if they end up doing this and following suit, I am uh, I am not going to give them any credit for this.
0: No, I'm disappointed to hear it. I'm hoping it doesn't come through. It's like, I mean, is is Rory is Rory winning every tournament? No. Why? Because actually Rory hits the ball so fucking far right now with his wet with every single club that he doesn't know how he's having trouble controlling his wedges. So it's actually kind of a disadvantage that he has that much speed right now. So Yeah. Like what are we talking about here? Wh- whatever. It's pissing me off.
1: Well yeah, just to use like the like the baseball analogy one more time I and mean, we talk about it from the offensive side like I also don't want to see you know, pitchers be able to be like, oh, well, here's a ball. So if you throw a hundred, you're only going to be able to throw 95. And if you throw 90, um, maybe if you throw it literally as hard as you can, you can maybe reach it to 95 and be like, no, no, no. Garrett Cole's fastball is iconic because of, you know, the power and velo that he has behind it. Not just because he can just pick it up and has, you know, has the ability because the baseball will just do it. It's, it's his own doing too.
0: Yep. I mean things things evolve as 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 we progress. That's just the way it is. You know, and I'm not even for lengthening the courses. I mean, what what is Augusta going to do? Buy more property and make holes longer, 700-yard holes? No, just fucking make the course harder in other ways.
1: Yeah, I think there'd be a lot of other ways to do it. I I feel like this is
0: just This a is a lazy, thing. bro. This is a lazy way
1: out. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you, and I'm glad to hear you say that. I really was interested in getting your thoughts on it. Um, lastly, we do just have to touch on live. We are no longer live correspondents, um, but that the fireball one. Tom, did you bet on this? Please tell me you didn't bet on this.
0: I completely forgot until I saw the notes today that live was even going <laughs> on. So, no, I didn't vote on it. I was, <laughs> as you can see, I was very happy to not be paying attention to this anymore. Again, Abe Answer, my guy, fucking love him. Um, his team won, I guess the fireballs shout out to Sergio. Um, congrats to him. Cool.
1: Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm so happy. I didn't have to put, I guess this got like a 0.14 overnight rating on Saturday.
0: Even worse than the 0.2.
1: Yeah. And they're going to try to blink college basketball, but it's like, no, just nobody cares about this event.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe they, maybe they didn't make it to two because they didn't two because of college basketball. But, I mean, I think we got out at the right time. I think we sold at the right time. We licked our wounds. We took a little bit of a loss, wasting our time doing that. But we're out. We're done. Eh. We didn't completely bottom out like I am with uh, my first Republic Bank stock that I stupidly bought, hoping it would go back up. <laughs> that was dumb.
1: <laughs> well, we all make mistakes. Um, enough golf. Let's move on to the NFL. It was a relatively eventful week, Tom. Uh, you signed Alan Lazard to a four-year, $44 million deal, which, by the way, just on its own. You no know, everybody's just like, well, you have to do it because of Rodgers. I really think that's a really good receiver to add to already Elijah Moore and Garrett
0: Wilson. 100%. Now we don't have to have the debate on whether or not they're getting Cobb or anything else. Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. I ran. still
1: think that could happen, by the way. Sure. Because Cobb's bring not going to be an integral part. Bring
0: him though. in as a glorified coach, whatever. But Lazard is what Corey Davis should have been. I. I'm a fan of this deal regardless of who's playing quarterback. I love our receiving corp. Uh, These three guys are going to ball out when the Jets get that little thing done finally, which Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to say his name, he committed on the Pat McAfee show, which we all saw coming from a mile away. I have to give him credit for his loyalty. I do have to give him credit for that. Um He said he wants to play for the Jets. Now it's just a matter of getting the deal done. And Sean, I think the longer that this goes, the better it is for the Jets because I'm sure the Packers, the second that Rodgers committed or even before that, because they all probably knew, started asking for a Russell Wilson deal and wanted to work back from that. And the Jets probably told him to get the fuck out of here because we're not bidding against ourselves like the Lakers did with Anthony Davis.
1: Yeah, I was interested to hear if you thought the Jets had more leverage or the Packers. I think it's kind of, at this point in the in the stare down, relatively even, because from the Jets' standpoint, looking at the Packers, it's like there's no way he's going to report. There's no way you can have him report. He's going to be a distraction, and if he does report, you have to pay him, um, and that would only make things really, really bad. And you're not totally moved off of this uh, of this Roger situation and just totally handing the keys over to Jordan Love. And the Packers are looking at the Jets is like, well, we want your first because. This is your quarterback plan. You don't have another plan. What are you going to do? Start Zach Wilson again? And we know you want Aaron Rodgers in there as fast as possible so he can start building a rapport with those guys. So I think that's where we're at right now with the with Douglas and, um, and for for Green Bay. It's just they're trying to wait each other out, and the Packers are trying to see if they can get that first-round pick for him. And the Jets are saying, no, eventually this has – Well, one of these guys has to blink and please, for the love of God, get this done, because basically it is done. I'm really tired of hearing about it.
0: I am, too. I've stopped looking it up and all that stuff. Like I used to Google his name every 20 minutes Um, for me. I just think the longer the Jets hold out, the better, because at some point the Packers are the Packers are going to have to pay him. So, And that's what's really going to hold their feet to the fire. I understand, don't get me wrong, that the the Jets need him at their quarterback and they would like to have him. But if I'm the Jets GM, I'm like, hey, if you guys want to pay him a little bit and then make the deal with us, like, great.
1: I think what they're haggling over, you know, in my honest opinion, I don't know if you agree, but I think the Packers are really trying to get that first-round pick out of the Jets, whether it be the 13th overall this year or a future first, and the Jets really don't want to do that. And then the second part is is the value of that second pick, whether it be a fifth rounder that turns into a three or a two, contingent upon Rogers plays all seventeen games, he leads you to the playoffs, he wins MVP, all those different things. I'm sure that's really the only the only snag, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's more the compensation um, in regards to the amount of money that each team is going to pay Rogers. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't see the Jets. One first round pick, I can stomach it. Outside of that, but I think the Jets are really trying to go for zero first round picks.
1: Oh, well, absolutely! Because if they were willing to give one up, I think this deal is done, and the press conference would have happened already.
0: I love it. Keep yeah, holding you their have feet. to keep on their but feet. But you, you also
1: don't want to. You also don't want to drag this out, and as you start getting into the off season program, I mean, we're only five weeks away from the draft. So at that point, it's like you really got to. You really got to start figuring out okay, Rodgers is going to be here, he's going to start throwing with his guys, because right now he's still under contract and a member of the Green Bay Packers, as weird as that sounds.
0: Yep. Uh, For me, and maybe this is me just trying to talk positively as a Jets fan, I think the longer that the Jets hold out, the better it is for them.
1: I hope you're right. Um, Yeah, we're going to find out. I really, like I said, hope it's sooner rather than later. Um, As the Aaron Rodgers saga continues to be the story in New York football, my Giants have had a sneaky good off season. We mentioned the Waller acquisition last week, but they also signed Paris Campbell, the wide receiver from Indianapolis, to a one-year, four million dollar deal. We re-signed Darius Slayton to a two-year deal. Um, do I love Slayton? Not not a lot, but I think with an improved offensive, you know, wide receiver room, he also has that huge rapport with Daniel Jones, which is obviously big. And then they re-signed Jihad Ward to a one-year deal, who I love because he's one of Wink's guys, and he flourished this year.
0: Yeah, he really did. I like the Paris Campbell signing because he's a big body in the red zone.
1: And he's fast as hell. He's just got to be on the field.
0: Mm-hmm. You can worry about those got-to-be-on-the-field kind of guys, but, again, one year, what is it, 4.75 mil? That's perfect.
1: Here's what I love about what the Giants' offseason has been. They committed to their quarterback without you know, completely overpaying. They get to keep Barkley, who they still could work out a long-term deal with, but if the worst-case scenario, they've got him playing on the tag. You bring in Darren Waller, who has big play capability for really nothing, and he doesn't hurt you financially going forward. And then you bring in Paris Campbell, and you bring back Darius Slayton to very minimal deals, so they've improved their wide receiver room drastically. They've still got Hodgins. They still can make a draft pick. I still think OBJ is in play the longer that things drag out. And they like, still
0: got that no kid shit. out of um, the rookie they drafted last year. What, what school was he out of? Wondell Memphis?
1: Robinson. Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky, but, yeah.
0: Memphis, one of those two. One of yeah, the blue got, schools.
1: He's, come, he's coming off ACL surgery, so who knows when he'll be ready. Same with um, Shepard, obviously. But I just love that they're – they're making all these moves around the fringes and Joe Shane's really not putting them at any kind of cap disability. It's, it's really good and fun to see what a great GM can do.
0: I know why I got a feeling Mm. Stefan Diggs is going to get upset at some point.
1: Mm. That
0: would feel good. Wouldn't it? Oh, that would feel great. Stefan Diggs might be a giant. You heard it here
1: first. I love that. Um, let's move around the league. C.J. Gardner-Johnson signs a one-year, $8 million deal with the Lions. This is a sneaky good acquisition because um, the Eagles lose another key member of their secondary.
0: Yeah, and the Lions really needed to share that defense up, especially the secondary, because they were in all these games offensively. They just would lose games 42-38. to 38.
1: Yep. No, you're 100% right. He's going to he's gonna do a really good job for them. The Cowboys acquire Brandon Cooks from the Texans for a 2023 4th and a 2024 5th. Um, how do you think Will feels about this? How do you feel about this? Does this take them out of the OBJ sweepstakes? What are your thoughts? I don't
0: know if it takes him out of it. I think it's more insurance in case he decides to go somewhere else for more money or he'd rather go there. I actually like this move a lot. Will talked about it on our podcast about how um, – C.D. Lamb's not really like a full-on bona fide number one, and he needs somebody else there to get him open. And, I mean, I know Cooks has bounced around from New Orleans to New England to uh, Los Angeles and then to the Texans, but everywhere he's gone, no matter the quarterback, he has produced. I mean, I think almost every single season of his career, he's over a thousand yards. So I still think he's going to produce, and he's going to be able to put up numbers, and he's going to be able to get cooks. Or excuse me, he's going to be able to get C.D. Lamb more open.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. From the Dallas perspective, I thought this was a really good move, and they didn't have to give up anything really for him. So no, good not at all.
0: No, I love it. Um, speaking of the Texans, the Texans signed Laramie Tunsil to a big fat deal, fifty million guaranteed for Tunsil. Uh, three years, seventy-five million dollars total. Um, I guess the highest-paid offensive lineman in history. What is that on an annual value?
1: Yeah, just in, and in terms of total contract money. Because remember, he's coming off that major. This is an extension to that crazy deal he already was under.
0: Yeah, is this the, this is the gas mask guy, right? Yeah, I mean, well, he, he
1: really turned himself. He was supposed to be like a top five pick. Yeah, I think he got drafted thirteen. What a scumbag uncle,
0: by the way. Bad guy.
1: Bad guy. All-time bad guy. Miami trades him to Houston. And he's just been, I mean, is he the greatest offensive lineman ever? No. Is he the greatest left tackle? No. But this is a good move by Houston because whatever rookie quarterback they end up bringing in, they have a surefire side protector for him. He is good. And they're not paying anybody else, so why not?
0: Yeah, and he is good.
1: He is really good. He is really, really good. He's not Trent Williams good, but I think he's in that next tier.
0: Yep. Um, all right, moving on. Darius Slay decides to stay with Philly, and he requested a trade. I think that was more just a ploy to get the deal that he just got.
1: Yeah, and the initial reports were that they were going to release him, but they never officially did. And then that same night, uh, Rappaport tweets out that they're – they agreed on a three-year, forty-two million dollar deal with twenty-three guaranteed, and I was really hoping he was going to leave. Obviously, but now they've got him and Bradbury secure again, and that great cornerback tandem is staying together.
0: Yep, I mean and the Eagles. Guess, this one would have been a, a big blow for them.
1: I, I was counting on it. I'm like, good. They've lost Hargrave. They lost uh, they lost T.J. Edwards. They're they're going to lose Gardner Johnson. Like, and then nope, they they brought him back.
0: Yep. Now, I mean, this this gives the Eagles a shot cuz they lost a lot. Um Adam Thielen agrees to What's the money on this? Do you know, Sean?
1: I didn't see the money. He announced it on McAfee or he texted McAfee Jesus saying that he I know that he was joining the Panthers. I didn't see the number. But I don't know how you feel, bro. I think Thielen's best days are long gone. I don't think that he's going to be anything more than maybe a complimentary piece down there.
0: Yeah, honestly, for me, I don't know what the money is. Who knows how much is guaranteed. They probably cut him at the end of the year, whatever. Depending on the amount of money, I would have liked to have seen him if the Giants don't get OBJ. If the if it was worth the price, just because he is a sure-handed wide receiver, and I think he would have been a nice safety net for Danny Dimes to have, which he had none of last year. But I, I like him going to the Panthers. Um, they need they need wide receivers after getting rid of more-
1: Mhm. But I yeah, really well, I would have
0: liked to have seen him on the Giants. I'm not going to lie. If the price was right.
1: There, says, there were. Says okay,
0: twi- I'm sorry. I just I saw the number from NFL.com. Uh, it says it's a twenty-five million dollar deal.
1: Yeah, that's nothing. I think the Giants and Joe Shane are much more in the market for younger guys. Mm. Um, you know, you saw Hodgins become that that sure-handed guy that Jones went to a lot and built really good, um, a really good rapport with. And I, I think Paris Campbell is going to become one of those dudes, and Bellinger is one of those dudes, and hopefully Waller is the dude. So yeah, I, I don't think the Giants are. This feels like a move that Dave Gettleman would have made, and I would have talked myself into it and said, yeah, that's a good move. He's a veteran wide receiver sure hands. I I did watch a decent amount of Vikings this year, obviously because I thought they were fraudulent. We both did, and I watched them play the Giants twice in a matter of three weeks. He was not getting open the way he used to get open.
0: Yeah, no separation.
1: So, uh, hey, good for the Panthers, though. Again, if they bring in their rookie quarterback, I mean, he is going to be a good veteran guy to have. I just don't think that he's the kind of player that the name sounds better than what his current production will be. I'll put it that way.
0: Oh, yeah. He's not a pro bowler anymore. No.
1: No, no. Those days are long gone.
0: Yes. All right. You ready to move on to some NBA real quick?
1: Yeah. Let's talk a little NBA.
0: All right. So my Knicks are, like you wrote in the notes here, distancing themselves from the Brooklyn Nets, uh, they're on a three-game win streak here, and they've won some big games. I mean, we went through the schedule the last time we did a Monday rundown. They got they, they beat the Lakers, which I believe we talked about, but then they went on, they blew out Portland, and then they got a really nice W against the Nuggets at home.
1: That that win against Denver was huge.
0: Yeah. Um, well, they're that- down at halftime to Minnesota at home. Uh, 70 to 58. We'll see if they can come back. It's not halftime yet; almost halftime. But that was a huge win, and to have that three-game winning streak after we started to question it a little bit, I'm I'm really glad they righted the ship.
1: No, it was huge because those last two games on the West Coast trip. You know, you beat the Lakers in the second half of back-to-back without Brunson, and then you go to Portland and beat the Trailblazers without Brunson, and now you get you get home. You have this really long break, so you can get him healthy or as healthy as he's going to be. And they beat a great, a really good Denver team who I know is scuffling and I know they haven't been good. And my team beat them out in Denver. Now they, they killed the nets yesterday, but I I think just when you see Brunson play, I still will believe that the Knicks are one of the five best teams in the the conference.
0: Yep. And Brunson's looking all right in 13 minutes today. He's got 10 points and five assists before halftime. So he's looking healthy. Um, I am happy with where the Knicks are at and, Listen, I mean, we we still play Cleveland once more this year. Cleveland's, you know, won a few, lost a few, but there are a couple games up on the Knicks. But if they go on a bit of a slide here, the Knicks could be looking at that four spot.
1: I think you have ten games left, Yeah, either ten counting tonight or ten after tonight. But, yeah, I think the four seed is still in play. And, you know, the biggest thing to me is you. You've got to. I, I got to ask you this. You're going to have a dilemma on your hands because Tuesday and Thursday, the Cavs are in Brooklyn for a weird back-to-back against the Nets. Uh, are you rooting for a split? Are you rooting all Cavs? You're rooting all Nets. The Nets are two games behind the Knicks as we talk right now.
0: Right now, I'm rooting all Nets. If the Knicks can come back to we're two games up. If the Knicks can come back today, I think we'll have enough of a cushion. Um. In order for in order for us to be able to hold off the Nets and overtake the Cavs,
1: I agree with you. Yeah, because if the Nets win twice and and you continue to win, you pick up ground. Uh, now the downside is if you lose, the Nets get closer to you and maybe take the five spot for a second. Um, but you're you're right there within shouting distance from the Cavs.
0: The only thing that scares me is looking at the Nets' schedule after they play those two games against the Cavs. Uh, they really only have two games that I don't expect them to win. That's playing the Heat. That game's a 50-50 game for me. Could go either way, but the Heat are at home, and then the last game they have of the season is against the Sixers. Everything else, the Jazz could give them a game, but everybody else, they should smoke.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this team is – two weeks ago I was saying that they're done, and then they they – go on a nice run they win four in a row and then they lose to Oklahoma City after that great Denver win after that they come back they they lose two straight so it's I don't know they're not they're a very inconsistent team and that's what I expect but I just I don't care if they're the six I just do not want them falling into the plan
0: yeah I nobody wants them to do that but I I don't know Miami do you think the Nets what do you think you think the Nets hold on
1: no, I don't. I think Miami overtakes him.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I hate to Miami's I, I won hate a couple games
1: lately, dude. That just they had no business winning.
0: I hate to agree, but it's Miami. They're they're different. They're just I can't even put into words that team.
1: Well, Simmons calls them the Zombie Heat, and I think that's a perfect, uh, perfect, kill a perfect description. Yeah.
0: Yep. All right. You ready to talk some MLB?
1: Yeah. When was the last time we talked MLB, by the way?
0: Aside from us bitching about the Yankees? I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we will talk Yankees, but let's start with the Mets and obviously the news of Edwin Diaz being out for the season after tearing his patellar tendon in the right knee during the World Baseball Classic. I guess we can even parlay this into a WBC conversation if you want, but I mean, obviously this is just a devastating blow to the Mets.
0: Tough scene. Really was a tough scene. I don't know how to feel about this. I think he heard it celebrating. Yeah, he got um, the
1: last out and they were celebrating and they uh, went out.
0: This is classic Mets. Uh, I know Nimmo was hurt as well. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I'm trying to think. That doesn't There's... look as bad though. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm going up and down here. Nimmo's on Team USA, right? Mm-hmm. And he got hurt, and then there oh, was. Oh no, no, a-
1: no! He 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 declined. He came back. He got hurt in the uh, spring training game.
0: There was a third player on the Mets that got hurt. I can't uh, think of him. in Quintana. My- yes, Quintana. Yes, that's. It's just tough. It really is tough. Um, just classic Mets. It's just can't catch a break. Um, I don't know. They're, they're going to have to be in the market for another closer. I don't know who.
1: Well, I think they got to hope that Ottavino and Robertson can do the job, at least in the first half of the year. I don't know,
0: then, dude. You're putting this kind of a team together. You need to have a bona fide guy to start the season. They have World Series aspirations.
1: Yeah, but I also do believe that they're talented enough where they can get through the first half of the season and be pretty okay with like a combo of Ottavino and um, – and Robertson, I just think that when you want to get to October, but we see every trade deadline, there's a couple of closers who become available because bad teams are are going to put a, an emphasis, and then we'll see how desperate the Mets get.
0: God damn! I know he had a bad year last year, and they let him go to San Diego. But I wish they held on to Lugo because two years ago he was electric as their closer, and he could have been again.
1: I know well, Hans not Hans as said, their closer, 20, but their right?
0: setup man. Yeah, he was their setup man.
1: I, I think it's obviously one of those where you say, "Oh, well, there's." you never have too much depth. I'm like, well, you can't have too many roster spots.
0: Yeah. You wasn't going to have a
1: roster spot. Uh, but I think they'll figure it out. I just, I do think they're talented enough. The Quintana injury sucks, but you know, they've got Peterson and they've got McGill who stepped in last year and pitched pretty well. Peterson I think was be okay. great too. Mm-hmm.
0: Peterson was really good. And I have to say, I've been watching a little bit of the world baseball classic. Lindor is fucking raking.
1: Oh, my God. he I mean, him and Trey Turner. I mean, Trey Turner went nuclear this weekend. For yeah, GBS. forget about
0: Patrick Reed. Trey Turner is the real Captain America.
1: <laughs> um, I got to tell you, man, just talking about the World Baseball Classic for a second, I've watched some of it. I haven't watched all of it. Um, I've got caught up in a couple of moments, but it, it coincides, obviously, with March Madness, so I, I, I can only get invested into so much. But I hear this complaint about it, and I'm like, "But dudes are getting hurt in spring training games."
0: Exactly. Exactly. Does it doesn't matter? I mean, I don't know. For me, it's it's people are talking about it, and it's growing the game, and that's all that really matters to me.
1: I also think that it's, you know, it's a little different, but it's like you know, if Kevin Durant gets hurt playing for Team USA people are going to lose their shit but it's like he's playing for his fucking country these guys are playing for their country and just so folks can like not be ignorant for a second these latin american company, uh, uh, countries and these you know these caribbean countries this means so much to these guys to put on the uniform with the name of their country across their chest. Exactly.
0: That's why all the best players go there. I mean, team USA, this is probably the most formidable lineup they've ever had, but you know, you know, some of the guys don't really give a shit because you grow up on the MLB, but these guys, these, these Latin American guys just really give a fuck about it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you see it in Japan and, 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 uh, China, Taipei, like, Mexico it it really is a huge deal and I I think the only reason people don't like it is it hasn't been around that long so you can't say it's like well it's like the it's like the dream team or whatever it's all been around since 06 but I'm like they're trying to grow the game internationally and for the folks that are like oh we want to play you should play to November what players are going to go play after playing a full six month gauntlet of a season nobody. They're not going to go play because then if you get hurt, it's like, oh, you played a meaningless game after the regular season and after the playoffs. It's like there's no perfect time to do this. And we see the injuries in the spring training games. That's my immediate pushback is this happened during a celebration. It's a completely finicky, crazy, terrible, like you said, classic Mets thing. But then two nights later, Nimmo gets hurt sliding into second base in a meaningless spring training game. So what are we just not going to let guys play spring training games next?
0: I know there's 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 no perfect science to this, and let them play, let the boys play.
1: Have you did you watch the highlights of the USA game the other night?
0: Of course, electric,
1: fucking awesome, man.
0: Yeah, and they're in the championship.
1: Yeah, they're waiting the uh, winner of Japan Mexico tonight. I think Otani's pitching.
0: Ah, uh, both teams are tough.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Um I, I will watch tomorrow night uh when I get back from work for sure. Um little Yankee news, Tom. The shortstop battle appears to be down to Peraza and Volpe. I I really think the Yankees went into this spring training with no intention of playing Volpe no matter or promoting Volpe, no matter what they said. But, but I I really think that he's changed their mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, Dominguez even, too. I know he's a few years out, but he's been crushing the ball. But Volpe's looked amazing. He's fast as fuck. And I like Peraza as more of, like, a DJ LeMahieu of a few years ago.
1: Peraza's bat is not what Volpe's is, but Peraza's pure ability to play shortstop is better than Volpe's.
0: Yeah, I know, but... Even
1: though I, Volpe's a very good shortstop.
0: Yes, and he's got a fucking hose for an arm. I just think... Volpe's one of those guys where you need to stick him out of position, and this is your position for, fingers crossed, the next 15 years, and is a guy where you can bounce him around.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, you hear the term pure shortstop. I still think the best athletes, you know, can play anywhere. You know, like, I know Bregman was a shortstop. They had him playing third because of Correa. You know, it's like, we, we see that all the time, but... The reason I'm optimistic about this, um I mean, first of all, we are getting either Peraza or Volpe on opening day.
0: No IKF. Uh,
1: the only reason... I, the only games IKF has played short are in um, split-squad games. I was going to say split-squad, Where either Volpe squads, or yeah. Peraza is playing the other one. Like, I think out of the last 10 spring training games, this was dated, I think, on Friday. So, it was like a total split. Five games Peraza, five games Volpe. And the other thing I really like that I heard, too... Was Aaron Judge now being captain, even though he's been the de facto captain, I think him and Steinbrenner have a very, very tight relationship. And Judge came out and said, not naming games, but he's like, I want the best players that can help the New York Yankees play on this team.
0: Good. Get rid of fucking Donaldson, too.
1: So he's hitting like 150 in spring training.
0: Cut him loose.
1: You remember 2016 when Teixeira and A-Rod and McCann and Beltron all came back. Hmm. And the Yankees tried to give them every opportunity to succeed and you just saw like how lifeless and old they were. I think that's what's going to happen with Donaldson. I think he makes the team opening day, he splits third base with with LeMahieu and after a month or two if he just looks absolutely awful, I think that, that that's when they'll eat it.
0: I let's just skip. Let's like whenever whenever I'm th- Whenever I'm in a debate or whatever, I'm like, let's just skip to the part where we get to where we got to be here. Let's just skip to the part where we cut him and we get somebody else that needs at-bats that into spring training. We're wasting our time here.
1: Uh, I'm with you. I mean, LeMay, he's had a good spring. He should be playing third almost every day. Um, you've still got Torres. You're going to promote one of Volpe or Peraza. And you've still How's got labor like- been yeah.
0: hitting as a DH for Venezuela?
1: I don't know. I haven't seen his numbers, but I don't care about guys like him in spring training because he's young. It's not like Donaldson who's old and coming off an awful year. No, no, no. I I was
0: just curious to see if if Glaber was swinging the bat well. That's all. I know he's going to be playing second base.
1: I still think out of, like, it would surprise me with how little time is left, but I still think there's a chance he gets moved.
0: Mm, You're holding out for that.
1: But don't you think it makes sense, though? Like, they haven't given him an extension. He's still young. They haven't traded Peraza or Volpe.
0: Yeah. Well, then I guess you just stick Peraza at second base and, and get another pitcher.
1: That's my thought. It's like this roster is still too fu- There's too many guys.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't mind it. I mean, those rookie cards, I might as well set them on fire, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so and I let's like just trade the guy. I, I, I like Glaber a lot, but if you're not going to trade either Peraza or Volpe, I mean, there's no room for Torres, and they haven't given him the extension. If they're not going to give him an extension, he's not coming back. He's not in their long-term plans. They've basically said it as many ways as you can without overtly saying it.
0: So who are we trading for?
1: Well, it's interesting because in camp, Harrison Bader got hurt with an oblique injury, and he was the center fielder. So I got to ask you, what is the Yankees center field and basically their whole outfield plan? Because I know they don't want to play judge and center a lot. They've yep. they've come out and said that that's not an ideal situation. That's why they got Bader. Uh, I you know you're looking at Cabrera playing left. He's even played center a few times. I mean they sent Dominguez down, so he's not going to make the roster. Yeah, he's but just... you've got Rafael Ortega. You've got Willie Calhoun. Like, who, what do you think this this outfield configuration looks like opening day?
0: Well, Cabrera bounced around last year, right? Mm-hmm. He hit pretty well. But I yeah, think he's that a switch was, hitter with top. Yeah. But he might be one of those guys where the more the more tape these pitchers get on him, he's gonna get figured out. He might be a short spurts kind of guy.
1: Well he's a super utility guy by play. I mean, he literally plays every position. He's even played center a few innings this spring.
0: You know who I think should play center field for the Yankees? Brian Reynolds.
1: The stupid Pirates <laughs>
0: I, I I think it's Cabrera. Who who do you in think?
1: Center. I think Ortega. I think Rafael Ortega is going to play center. I think he's going to break camp with the team and be the center fielder.
0: Okay. Who he's
1: had a really good. He's had a really good spring.
0: Yeah, I haven't really looked, but I'll I'll take your word for it. You're you're I the more in the weeds Yankee guy. I'm more of a regular season get locked in at the beginning guy.
1: I think that they're also the good news is, is Aaron Hicks has played a couple games in center, which means that he's not playing. No, no, no. Listen to me. He's not playing left in a lot of games. So that means that they are not planning on him being the, the left fielder. So they're just throwing him in center. in some of these games, he's not a center fielder. He's he, they, they have announced that with obviously the Bader trade. So, I think the less he plays left and the less IKF plays short, the more you know those guys are not playing those positions come opening day.
0: True. It's just a shame that they're on the roster.
1: It really is. I mean, dude, I don't know if you've seen any Cross Your Bleacher Report or Twitter, but, I mean, there's been two or three fly balls that Hicks has just lost. He's done.
0: He's done. He's Stick awesome. a fork in him.
1: Can we cut him? <laughs> the current rotation looks really interesting with the Rodon injury
0: what is it let's i mean what is it? uh Cole Seavy Sevi,
1: Nester Nester of just made his first spring appearance the other day so he's going to be the fifth starter just cuz of time Schmidt and Herman have each had good springs but it's like shit this is where you brought up the trade i mean i'm staring right in the face of hopefully a trade for a pitcher because I like Herman and Schmidt, but I don't want them both starting. One of them should be in the bullpen.
0: So who do you want? What what are you staring?
1: I'm looking at a team like the Marlins, who have starting pitching depth. And I'm well. They just got, got rid of Lopez. Like, I know, but I'm looking at a guy like Lizardo. They still need infield help, even though they got a rise.
0: I tell you what. Just say, you know. Who hangs up? Sandy Alcantara for Glaber Torres.
1: (laughs) That would last one second. Click, Um, yeah.
0: Well, I could throw in Donaldson, Hicks, and IKF, too, as sweetness. Yeah, that's
1: good. That's like the perfect Yankee fan that calls sports radio trade. (laughs) Yeah, right?
0: That sounds like a (laughs) fantasy football offer I make to people. See if they're dumb enough to take it.
1: Here are three guys I absolutely hate who have no business playing. Now give me your best player for them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah right uh, yeah i guess i guess i could see i could see that deal getting done i i agree with you though i just don't want schmidt and herman one of the two fine but we need to shore up this depth depth and um what's his name um frankie he's he's not coming back for a while right
1: yeah i it's it's probably if he comes back at all late august september <sighs> so you don't even look at him in the plans i think with radon it's You know, you don't want to rush him back with this forearm, so it's like...
0: No, definitely not. Well, I want him to be good for two or three years.
1: For sure. Well, hopefully six, but... Yeah, Yeah. I, I think that you've mentioned this a few times. Do you circle back to the Padres and see what they're doing with their starting pitching surplus? Does Blake Snell become available for the right price?
0: Yeah, I was thinking Snell and Tatis, you know? I've been talking about it.
1: I don't want any part of Tatis.
0: Oh, I would love him. Come on, you'd immediately fall in love with him. Come on, we could stick him in center field.
1: Yeah, I'd fall in love with him until he gets on another motorcycle and gets hurt Oh, again he learned t- his lesson. Or, or, or pops PEDs again and, and is out. He was
0: just trying to get right, that's all. yeah. He's a young guy. Yeah. Let him live. I'm already justifying it for him. Listen, Glaber <laughs> Torres, and you know, you name two prospects outside of Volpe and Dominguez. You guys can have Peraza. We'll take back. We'll take back uh, Tatis and Snell, and we'll we'll call it into the office.
1: I'm fascinated to see how this last week and a half goes, or not even, yeah, week and a half. The last opening days next Thursday. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. No, I know. It is it is insane. Well we're gonna have to see how this shakes out.
1: I still believe that there's a move or two to be made. There's just too many guys for not enough positions.
0: Maybe there's a maybe there's a consolidation and somehow we get a surprise Reynolds trade.
1: That that to me, man, it just makes the most sense. I, I, I would hate to have to part with Dominguez. I would hate to have to part no, with Dominguez. No, we
0: can't Dominguez. do that. Or or am I being dumbass Yankees fan here?
1: I think you're being dumbass Yankee fan because I still think the pi- the Pirates can ask for a lot. But when they say a Juan Soto trade, I mean that's literally four of your top 5 prospects.
0: Yeah. That's that's too much. Reynolds is not Reynolds is not that. I hate to say that, but it's the truth.
1: They're not going to extend him. He doesn't want to stay with them. And other teams want him for a really good price and they're steadfast in treating him like he's Juan Soto. It's just it eventually has to rectify itself. I'm sure the Yankees are calling all the time. It's right. been no secret that they love him. but I've put it together.
0: All right? Okay. Brian Reynolds and JT Brubaker. Halfway decent, low-end starter. I bet on him. A, he he gets a lot. He's a pretty high strikeout guy, given the amount of okay. innings he pitches. I don't know if you know of him. Um,
1: I've heard the name, but I don't know much about him.
0: High, uh, swing and miss guy. Um but he doesn't go very long in games. Maybe we could stretch him out with our genius pitching coach that we have. Um, Four. Glaber Torres, Peraza, insert a few other names.
1: Trey Sweeney or – I don't know. I I just feel like Dominguez would have to be in that deal. No. I don't want to, but I think he would have to be. Because also that changes your plans. Because you've got they'll Extend Bader, you've got Judge, and then you've got um, you got Reynolds. There's your outfield for the next, like, five years.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Dominguez is so tantalizing. But at some point you got to shoot or get off the pot with some of these prospects. I know he's young, but let's we figure it out. We scream about
1: that all the time. If you don't have I agree. a p- pure plan for these guys, then what are you doing? Uh, like Dominguez is an for any fan if I have to read one more thing from a fan that says he's going to be our center fielder he's not going to be a center fielder in the major leagues he's no. not he's the no. left fielder not which is great enough.
0: yeah I agree and then if I if I'm the Mets after that deal goes through I immediately pick up the phone and try and t- trade for David Bednar
1: yeah yeah the closer for, for the Pirates yeah he made
0: the all-star team last year I would immediately try and trade for him
1: He's a guy that I would just wait. That's the thing with the, with the Mets closer situation is I I really do think it's, let's just figure out a way to sustain this until we get to the all-star break. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be some guys available. They do every year. I mean, fucking Josh Hader got traded this last year. Yeah, true. I agree. All right, man. Anything else?
0: (sighs) Not really. Things are starting to get a little warmer here. I'm liking it. I'm seeing commercials for the masters. March is heating up. I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time. What about you?
1: Yeah, finally, it's going to be actually, and I know you give me shit for it, but it was literally like 41 degrees this morning. It was fucking cold. So it is going to start being very nice. Um, South by is over, so it shouldn't be as crowded, even though we've got the golf tournament down here this weekend. I don't know, man. I just got to, I'm I'm just in Yukon mode right now. I mean, that's really it. Sweet 16, baby.
0: Yeah, you should be excited. Baseball's right around the corner. Knicks are, Knicks are humming. Jets got to get finished up with that little thing, but eventually it's going to happen, and Rick Pitino is a Johnny. So um, everything's coming up, Roses.
1: We've got the NFL draft is five weeks away. Uh, we gotta we got to start doing some homework on baseball because that preview pod's got to come out next week.
0: Yeah, I know. I um, I really didn't even realize how close it is.
1: Get ready, buddy.
0: Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, everybody, enjoy the week. I'm sure we'll be talking to you later on in the week. Sean?
1: Yeah. Take care, everybody. We'll be back later.